Thanks, Sharon. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, lovely to see you all again. Um, thankfully, a bit cooler today. <laughs> uh, this week has been a bit hot, hasn't it? A bit much. But uh, yeah, lovely to see everybody today and um, hope you're all well. Um, so last week, I introduced the text Matthew 6 to you, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So last week, just a bit of a recap, I talked about how our time and money um, and sort of where we put our time is probably where we have our worth. You know, what we see, where, what we invest in is probably what we consider valuable. You know, what we consider valuable will get your time and attention. And I talked about the verse, faith, hope and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. I shared a little bit about um, starting my own theology course uh, in September and John talked a bit about his passion for asylum seekers and refugees and the concerns about the nationality and borders bill going through parliament at the moment. So I asked um, you this week to think about five questions and come back to me. Um, thanks to those who sent things back and, and hopefully those that haven't perhaps still have been thinking about them this week. Um, I'm going to give you just a few summary, a little summary of some of those responses a bit later on, but I just thought it'd be good to hear just an example of one of the ones that I got sent back. Um, now, this is from Claudine. Unfortunately, Claudine's got a croaky throat because she's just had this operation, which went well, and she's recovering well at home. So, uh, so she said, could somebody else read it out for her? So Sharon's agreed to just read out her responses um, for, for the five questions. So question one was, if someone were to ask a group of friends, of my friends, what would they say I'm really interested in or enthusiastic about, what would I say? So Claudine said, my friends would say I'm interested and enthusiastic about the plight of others less capable of defending themselves. I have an interest in obtaining justice for the downtrodden and those abused by society and unnecessarily harsh government or employer legislation. Number two, what are the things I've always wanted to do, but I've always perhaps put off? Claudine says, I've always wanted to join my local political party, but I've always put this off at the point of signing up, as I'm never sure where this sits with my faith and being a follower of Christ. I would not want my political actions to take over my faith actions. Number three, if I simply, if I knew I simply couldn't fail, what is the first thing I would do? So Claudine said, I'm not sure, but I would encourage people to first seek the kingdom of God so that all other good things would become available to them. And number four, what issues do I care most passionately about, whether I get excited or angry? So she said, I care passionately about injustice and the deprivation of basic human rights. I am more likely to be galvanised into action around these issues. And the final thing I asked was, at the end of my life, I'd love to be able to look back and knew that I'd done something about. Uh, Claudine said, the dehumanisation of the refugees and asylum seekers. I would go peacefully knowing that I had been part of making a positive difference in this area of campaigning. So thank you ever so much, Claudine, for those. It just, I just thought it was a lovely illustration, particularly as Claudine led worship last week. 
uh, of just the, the heart that Claudine has, um, which we very much see through her work um, with the civil service campaigning for those who have been um, uh, kind of oppressed and working for, for those people's rights and voices who haven't got what, uh, those, um, but also her life, you know, the life of Claudine as well and her love um, for those around her that, you know, we would easily see. So yeah, just an example of, of some of those responses and, you know, and some, uh, some responses I got were just a sentence and that's absolutely fine but um you know that was lovely to to kind of really be encouraged by that um so as I was reading through the responses I sort of thought about what was on Jesus's heart you know where did he spend his time where was his treasure um and you know in the last three years we know that that was training his disciples transforming people telling people about the kingdom of God but for 30 years before that he lived a <laughs> normal life i.e he lived a life with people with friends with family doing normal things i'm um, going to the temple being a carpenter growing and learning and developing so what was the turning point and i was led to this passage in luke 4 which again is very well known luke 4 uh, chapter 4 16 to 21 and this i think is probably the turning point particularly you know told in luke where jesus sets out his stall and quotes prophecy from isaiah 61 to lay out his aims and he says the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the lord's favor then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I just thought, uh, just a few thoughts about that particular sort of passage, really. And here, um, Jesus applies the words of Isaiah 61 to his own ministry. And the spirit enabled him and anointed him to bring liberation to those in need. And first he felt his mission was to proclaim good news to the poor. And throughout Jesus's ministry in the Gospel of Luke, we do indeed see an emphasis on God's care for the poor and the responsibility of others to care for them. But that good news for the poor, I think, is not just about the economic poor. He links poor in chapter four um, to words such as captive, blind and oppressed. In chapter six, he talks about poor, the word poor, and he links it to the hungry, the mournful and the persecuted. So when you sort of read the, the kind of the themes of Luke, Luke is more likely to relate um, uh, to issues of power and privilege and somebody's sort of social location as outside of that. And Luke is very much looking to under, uh, overturn those perhaps previous measures of status and to talk about the fact that anybody can receive that grace of God. And Jesus also talks about coming to free the captives and liberate the oppressed. And Jesus certainly freed those who were oppressed by the devil he brought sight to the blind. We think particularly of Paul, you know, originally known as Saul, who did receive his actual sight back. But also he had this revelation of seeing God for who he was and kind of completely transformed his life. And in all of those examples, I think that word release is quite a key word within that passage. It sort of combines with the year of the Lord's favour. 
the year of Jubilee, which was their year of release in Leviticus. Every 50th year, property was returned to original owners, debts were cancelled, and therefore release meant both forgiveness from sins, freedom from the binding power of Satan, but also Luke looks at this within a community context. So the removal of barriers that exclude you from the community. Healing was the removal of sickness and the barrier of sickness keeping you from community. And release for Luke symbolised freedom from social and spiritual chains, which resulted in acceptance and wholeness. The readers of Luke at the time um, and the people who lived in the time of Jesus were waiting for God to liberate Israel from the pagan enemies. In Jewish texts of the time, you find a longing for a God who would pour out wrath and destruction on the wicked nations. And they would have been astonished at the offer of grace instead for not just all of Israel, but actually, you know, everybody. They would be expecting grace for Israel and then fierce judgment for everyone else. But in these passages, God comforts suffering Israel with a promise of restoration. Israel will be taken captive, enslaved and impoverished, but God will liberate and bless his people. The servant Messiah has not come to inflict punishment on the nations, but to bring God's love and mercy to them. And that message was, and still is, shocking. The gospel still does this today, the good news of Jesus. It challenges all interests and agendas with God's surprising grace. The Jews had really suffered from the hands of Gentiles and they didn't want to hear about God's concern for outsiders. And this opening scene prefigures Jesus' mission in the gospel to reach everybody even at the expense of incurring the enmity of those insiders. Um, and so this passage paves the way for the church's mission to both the Jews and the Gentiles that we see in the book of Acts. So I just wanted to read a flavour of some of the, the sort of key sort of themes that came out of the responses that I received. Um, just some fun things to perhaps look out for and think about who these the these people might be. So just some some sort of uh, kind of fun facts, I guess, about some people who sent responses in. Um, one person wanted to learn Arabic. I wonder who that is. One person would love to do a PhD if they could do anything. Uh, one person wanted to build a kid car, and one person wanted to see the Northern Lights. So uh, yeah, perhaps have a few thoughts about who those people might be. And perhaps you might have some similar sort of aims as well. But I think, you know, what came out strongly was love for those that are on the fringes. So the heart for the asylum seeker and the refugee, showing God's grace, solving the immigration issue, looking and working with child poverty, working with women's issues, loving the unlovable, working at um, injustice, poverty and inequality. Something that I found really encouraging was a few people asked their friends what they thought of. Um, and somebody said, they could see that I cared about people, my faith and compassion. And I was moved and felt very humble about the way they saw me.
This was an affirming exercise and something I needed to hear at this very moment. So I, I, I again invite you this week to say, if you haven't had a chance, then try and have a chance to pray and discuss and think about those questions this week. And do send those in to me because I would still love to collate some of those key things that come through. And, you know, it is a very personal exercise. There is no right answers. Um, you know, for some people, it will be the asylum seeker refugee. For some people, it'll be your work. For some people, it'll be looking after a family member. You know, it's where God is calling you to put your time and your worth. Um, so, you know, that's absolutely fine. I would love to hear from you. And, you know, as well, perhaps ask that friend what they see in you. Uh, as I say, two, two of the people who responded had done that and found it really encouraging. And so, you know, I do sort of perhaps say, you know, perhaps ask a friend what they see in you in terms of your, uh, where you put your worth. It could be very revealing and encouraging. So just to kind of summarize really, and um, I guess some of these thoughts have been mainly around personal thoughts and individual perhaps kind of uh, callings on our heart. But some, some of this might form uh, some of the things that we want to do as church going forward. And, and perhaps if there's something of a collective heartbeat around some things, then that might inform our kind of church profile and our plans going forward. Um, so, you know, do keep praying and thinking about what um, God is saying to you about this, this at this moment in time. I think Jesus' message in that Nazareth synagogue in Luke 4 kind of talks to us today. Uh, and so I've, I've got to read it in a second and perhaps just ask a few questions to think about uh, around that. But I think his spirit has empowered us uh, to cross cultures and other barriers with Jesus' message of love and grace, a message of concern for people, a message of justice, liberation and salvation, and to do so, to do this effectively, then God may be calling us to go beyond the assumptions of our own nation or our own culture to bring about the good news of God's kingdom to everyone. So just a few sort of questions really to end on really for yourself and then for how we love others. So for yourself, just thinking back to that passage from Luke 4, have I received the good news of Jesus' love and grace and mercy for me? And I am, am I confident in this? Have I got freedom from the things that bind me in my life? And can I see clearly what Jesus has done for me? And if you want to talk about any of those things, if it raises anything for you, then please do um, just contact one of the VLT um, or somebody you know that you trust and you'd like to, to chat over those things through. Um, but don't wait, you know, take this opportunity now. So have I received the good news and have confidence in this? Do I have and enjoy freedom from the things that have bound me? And can I see clearly what Jesus has done for me? And I will put these in their weekly email as well. And then for those around me, am I ready to share that good news 
in whatever way God calls me to with the people around me? Do I have confidence in talking to people about the freedom that Jesus brings? And can I offer forgiveness for those who, have, who are oppressed or perhaps who have even oppressed me? So for those around me, am I ready to share the good news in whatever way that God is calling me to do that? Do I have confidence in talking to people about the freedom that Jesus brings? And can I offer forgiveness for those who are oppressed or perhaps even those who have oppressed me? Some challenging questions, uh, but I hope that, you know, we are able to spend some time in prayer and thought and hear from what God is saying to us today. And I just pray now, I pray that we would know, we would know that that good news, we would have confidence in that. We would know that you are, uh, that you have freedoms for us. And we would know and see your love, your mercy and forgiveness for us. And I pray your spirit would anoint us you left us your spirit as our comfort and our guide. And I pray that your spirit would guide and lead us. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all the, the amazing people in this church and for the love that they have for each other, for the love that they have for all those around them in their networks, their families, their friends. And I pray that you would keep communicating with us, that we would hear your voice, that we would see your kingdom come here in Alton, here in Shirley, here in Knoll, here in Dorwich, here in Solihull. And we would see that transformation of the kingdom coming now in this world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen.